Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity, join us every week on our podcast, Serial Killers, where we go deep into notorious true crime cases. With significant research and careful analysis, we examine the psyche of a killer, their motives and targets, and law enforcement's pursuit to stop their spree. Follow Serial Killers wherever you get your podcasts and get new episodes every Monday. Hello, I'm Blair Bathory, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Thank you so much for being here, whether this is your first time or you're one of the brave souls who join us every week. Sometimes there are situations or things in our life that leave deep scars etched into the fabric of our memory. With the help of good people over time, those deep wounds can be healed. But for some people, they are plagued by the person or event that scarred them. No matter how much they try to repress their experiences or heal themselves, their trauma will torture them, or worse, turn them into an evil person. First, misery seeks company, followed by living the dream, then the dead lurking. Finally, in our featured story, an urban legend you'll die to hear. So, wanna hear something scary? Deadly trauma. Loneliness is a powerful thing. It can make you wanna reach out to others or it can leave you in total misery. Like in this story inspired by David Morellis. Mr. Lonely was a veteran of the Vietnam War. He was blind, which many thought was due to torture during the war. He'd sit outside on his porch and play the same song on the record, the 1962 Bobby Vinton, Mr. Lonely, hence how he got his nickname. This would go on every evening while he'd silently rock on the porch and knit. The only reprieve from the song would be him moving the record needle back to repeat the song. Neighbors complained, but there was nothing the police could do. They turned up their own radios to drown out that never-ending song. Then one day, the town found out the horrific truth. Mr. Lonely had been the only one left in the POW camp when he was rescued. The other GIs in the camp had been tortured relentlessly before being shot in the back of their head. 
Mr. Lonely watched every one of them die and the memories of their deaths haunted him. Even after he was rescued, he was still tortured by the visions of his fallen brethren. He couldn't stand the sight of seeing his dead brothers in arms walking around the GI hospital with their faces blown off. So he did the only thing he could think of. He used a hot SOG military knife and gouged his own eyes out. He had done this while still at the hospital recovering from malnutrition and was immediately sent to an asylum before finally being released. After this reveal, parents forbode their children from even walking on the side of the street where he lived. On Halloween, kids went trick-or-treating in his neighborhood, daring each other to go near the house, where he was always sitting, knitting, and listening. Mr. Lonely would look up as if sensing someone's eyes on him. He then stared directly at the kid and grinned from ear to ear, lowering his shades to show the two black holes where his eyes used to be. Sometime in the 70s, kids began to go missing and the town turned to Mr. Lonely as the scapegoat. Nothing was ever proven, but it didn't stop people from pointing the finger. One of the neighbor's daughters had vanished. After a night of heavy drinking, her father, believing Mr. Lonely was guilty and repeatedly played the song to taunt him, stormed over and destroyed the record player with a baseball bat. Mr. Lonely, who had always quietly rocked and knitted, snapped. He took the knitting needles and jammed them into the man's ears. The man dropped onto the porch and began to bleed from his skull. Mr. Lonely took the needles out of the man's ears and stabbed him repeatedly while screaming at the top of his lungs. Do you know how many people I've killed? When the police came, Mr. Lonely was taken back to the special care facility to live the remainder of his days. Nobody knew if his screams were a confession to the missing children or just remnants of his time in Vietnam. After Mr. Lonely left the neighborhood, there were rumors that he had escaped his facility, while others said he died there shortly after his arrival. Either way, his absence conceded with the beginning of strange occurrences in town. The song, Mr. Lonely, was banned by the local radio stations. It was taken out of the diner jukebox and Bobby Vinton Records tapes and CDs were never stocked at any music store. The townspeople did their best to eradicate the song entirely, as if doing so would erase the memory of Mr. Lonely. Yet every now and then the song would come on the radio or mysteriously play on the jukebox. Nobody could explain it. At first, people would try to pretend it wasn't playing and go about business as usual, but that was a fatal mistake. Those who were the loudest during the duration of the song would befall terrible accidents. A man who laughed when the song played in the diner got into a mysterious car accident that very night. It was discovered the brake lines were snapped on his hot rod and his car had crashed going 90 miles an hour. He burned alive. The song played in the bar and a drunk man screamed, turn that damn song off. As the song continued, he began to bleed from his ears. He screamed, slammed his head on the bar counter, crying for someone to get it out of his head. He fell to the floor dead as Bobby Vinton hung on to the last note. The autopsy ruled it was a brain aneurysm, but the people of the town knew better. And so, it became a tradition in the town. On the rare occasion, the song would play. Anyone within earshot would stop like a deer in the headlights 
Some would even bow and silently pray for protection. Even the toughest in town would stare straight up at the ceiling with their mouths shut. For now they knew, Mr. Lonely doesn't want to be alone, and he'll take anyone he can find if they disrespect his song. Do you have any local legends that keep you up at night? Have you ever been a witness to your town's terror? If so, tell us your story by sending us an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today, or visit Angie dot com. That's A N G I dot com. The belief that dreams can be prophetic is as old as time. But what happens when the dreams are too disturbing to even remember, let alone understand? As in this story, written by Janine Pipe. The only thing worse than having night terrors yourself is watching your child suffer from them, and despite trying everything, not being able to stop them. We'd done everything, but night after night, Adam would scream and scream. Often he wouldn't remember what the dreams had been about. But as he grew, so did the dreams. He'd wake up covered in sweat, screaming and sobbing with tales of monsters. Disrupted sleep led to problems in school, with concentration and his physical health deteriorated. Every bedtime became a battle, with begging us to help or let him stay awake all night long. In the end, heartbroken and helpless, we sought medical assistance and therapy, but no one could work out what the root of the problem was. And we were left with one option: medication. It did work. He took a pill every evening and slept like a baby. Whether he was still dreaming but was not aware enough to wake or remember, we'll never know. But his appearance improved along with his appetite, putting weight onto his skeletal frame and his face no longer gaunt. His grades picked up, and for a time, things seemed normal. He'd always been quiet, so we didn't know whether the meds exacerbated this, or whether his withdrawn nature was just him. And we settled for a reserved yet seemingly contented loner. He still attended weekly therapy sessions. I think the psychiatrist was hoping he'd eventually unravel some deep, dark secret that Adam had buried, some trauma he'd experienced in kindergarten or the like. He'd never knowingly been exposed to anything inappropriate or scary. And yet, the pictures that he drew in those sessions were like Dante's Inferno—terrible scenes of what could only be hell, humans being horrifically tortured. We were just thankful he was able to release his demons, but there never seemed to be any reason for the monsters. 
then as he got older, the nightmares returned. It wasn't quite so bad for Adam this time. Although he tossed and turned, cried out and screamed for whatever torture his mind was putting him through. He didn't wake and come morning. He had no recollection of it happening. We were still disturbed by and worried about it, but he seemed like a regular, albeit somber teen during his waking hours. Yet night after night, it was the same. Somewhere between 2 and 3 a.m. the groaning would start and then finally culminate with him screaming over and over the same thing. 16. We had no idea what it meant. Life carried on. We did our best to be a normal family. We even planned a small celebration for his birthday. The week leading up to that was the worst we'd ever had. He wouldn't just wake once. It was repeatedly over and over. 16, 16, 16. It was 2 a.m. when it happened. It was officially Adam's birthday since it was past midnight. I smelt something at first, the fires. Then I heard the noise from outside. I raced to the window and I saw cars crashing, people screaming, houses burning. None of it made any sense. Then a sound from inside the house. My wife leapt out of bed, no fear, only a mother's love as she ran to Adam. I followed, but it was already too late. It moved fast with inhuman strength and speed. It had torn my wife in two and was now standing between me and my son. I knelt, begging it to take me, to leave Adam. As it approached me, a cat stalking its prey, I saw Adam was awake, sitting on his bed. Happy 16th birthday, son. I croaked just before it killed me. 16, whispered Adam, as the world as we knew it set on fire. The harbingers of hell delivering upon their promise of an apocalypse and the annihilation of the human race. I tried to warn you. 16. I'm now 16. Do you remember your dreams? Have you ever had an actual dream come true? Was it something good? Or was it a literal nightmare? Sometimes the trauma of our family's past runs through generations, but it could all stop with you if you're brave enough to confront it. Like in this true story submitted by Sarah. The weather was cool in the fall of 1890 in the village of Urepa, Punjab. Some local boys were playing around the village fields. While the town slept, it was close to midnight, a dark, rainy, thunderous night. One boy suggested that they play a game, a dare. They would each pull a straw, and whoever drew the shortest one would have to go into Madian, the place where they cremate the dead, and hammer a nail into the wooden plank that holds the body. An elderly woman who had died in the village was brought there for cremation just a day earlier, so they thought it would be a fun scare. The boys plucked the straws one by one, and sure enough, my great-great-grandfather, Sadar, pulled the shortest. Though he was scared, he convinced himself that nothing would happen. Walking towards Madian, he was too ashamed to look back at his friends. They would know he was actually terrified and make fun of him. 
He had to just keep pressing forward. The strong winds were pushing him back, almost as if to warn him not to go. They were trying to protect him, but it only made his journey longer. Sadar was so drenched in cold sweat, battling the weather and trying to ignore his fear of the dark, he hadn't even noticed that 10 minutes had gone by and he'd finally arrived and stepped up to the wooden plank. He fumbled around in his pocket for the nail and hammer. Then he slowly reached out his hand to feel for the bottom part of the board. He jumped when he touched what he thought was the woman's foot. It was so hard to see in the dark. He desperately tried not to look at her or touch the cold, dead body. He took a deep breath and whispered, rest in peace, before he proceeded to hammer the nail into the bottom of the board. As he stepped back to walk away, something tugged at his shawl. He dropped the hammer and screamed as he ran back to his friends, no longer caring about feeling embarrassed. Breathlessly, he told them everything and they decided to walk back to see who was there, convincing him it was probably just the wind. When they returned, they saw he had accidentally hammered the bottom of his shawl in with the nail. They decided they would go back early in the morning and get back before anyone could check on the woman. With that, they all returned home to try and get some rest. My grandfather suddenly awoke drenched in cold sweat and shivering in the middle of the night. He was sure that he had closed the curtains and windows before going to bed. He felt a fever coming on and tried to call out for his mother, but something stopped him. His eyes adjusted to the surroundings and he noticed something was off. Then he saw her and this time he was too shocked to scream. Sitting on him was a woman. She had a flaky translucent skin white hair and bloodshot eyes. Her pale clothing was covered in dirt and smelled musty, as if it hadn't been worn in years, covered in yellow stains. She was extremely skinny, so much so that you could spot all her veins easily, and she felt almost weightless. Despite her grotesque appearance, my grandfather was no longer afraid. He felt strangely comforted by her, as if he distantly knew her. He looked at her feet, which were backward. In India, this is a sign that the creature is a ghost, a vengeful spirit who's left their life incomplete. She lifted her hand and spoke in a smooth voice. You forgot this. In her hand was his shawl. Doused in sweat and muddied, she handed it back to him. He observed the loose threads left behind from the nail. When he looked back to say thank you, she was gone. The following day, he woke with a fever and told his friends that he returned and got the shawl himself, which was how he got sick. They had no reason to doubt him. My great-great-grandfather told only his son about this experience. Then his son told my grandfather, and finally the story got passed all the way down to me. My father had to tell me because I was paranoid and thought I was going crazy. But now I understand that I should not be afraid of the old woman in my window who watches me sleep. She used to cause me such anxiety, such fear. But now I know she's been watching over my family for decades, ever since that fateful night, just watching. Do you have any ghosts that watch over your family? Or any family ghost stories passed down from generation to generation? 
If so, we'd love to hear your story. Send us an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of the Japanese cowhead inspired by EJ and now animated over on youtube.com slash snarled. We listen to scary stories to have fun, but if we don't pay attention to the lessons and warnings they carry, we might end up repeating the same mistakes from the past. Kimura sensei always loved taking his elementary school students on field trips. However, on this particular trip, things took a wild turn. As the students were heading back on the long bus ride home, they began feeling restless. At first, it was just paper airplanes hitting Kimura sensei's head. But then the students started getting up and jumping over seats. Kimura sensei realized he needed to take action and do something about it. He promised the kids some spooky stories if they behaved, and they quickly sat back down. Kimura sensei began with the tale of the monkey nightmare. Every time he finished a story, they begged for another. And Kimura sensei happily agreed to tell more stories, and the students sat mesmerized, hanging on to his every word as he told the story of the Nukekubi and the Shuromogo and the Yukiuna. Then suddenly, one student shouted, tell us about the Gozu. The bus fell into his silence as eager whispers filled the air. Excitement buzzed among the students, their eyes wide with anticipation. They yearned to hear the band's story, hungry for the thrill it promised, in hopes of unraveling the mystery behind its terrifying content. Others looked terrified, including a student named Yui. The color drained her face, just thinking about the horror stories she had heard about the scariest story. She wasn't alone. Several of the other children were scared. A small boy even began to shake. It was alleged that anyone who heard the ghostly tale would be filled with such dread. They would quiver violently for days, then either be traumatized forever or die from panic, having been literally scared to death. So many people had been affected by the story that the original manuscripts were destroyed with only a couple fragmented copies scattered across the land. Kimura sensei claimed to know the story. Though he couldn't find a complete version, he managed to piece together enough accounts during his studies. Just as he was about to begin, a whimper escaped Yui, her eyes filled with tears, and suddenly the teacher snapped back to reality, realizing he couldn't frighten the young children with such a chilling tale. He promised not to utter a word about the Gozu, the terrifying cowhead creature. He knew it was simply too overwhelming for them, and he should have known better. After an hour on the bus, a few of the students grew restless once again, and one mischievous troublemaker initiated a chant amongst the others. Cowhead! And a few others joined in. Just as the third chant began, Kimura sensei swiftly rose, signaling for them to hush and take their seats. He promised to share the forbidden story if they remained quiet. Before he was able to complete the first sentence of the story, Yui and some of the other frightened students shouted, stop, don't tell us, as they hugged one another, crying. But the teacher didn't stop. His eyes turned black and expressionless. His body was taken over by force as he spoke, not allowing him to stop even if he wanted to. 
Sinking back down on the seat, Yui curled up in a ball and covered her ears, desperate not to listen, but some of the words broke through. There was a small forsaken village in the middle of nowhere, and archaeologists were trying to find out why it was abandoned. They dug up a terrifying skeleton with the head of a cow and the body of a man. The investigation led them to discover that years ago, the village had been put under a spell of starvation. Everybody in the town was dying of hunger. After devouring the livestock and their horses, they moved on to their pets, dogs, cats, whatever they could find. After no food was left and people were starving to death, one day, a peculiar figure walked into the village, the Gozu. This terrifying creature had the head of a cow and the body of a man, but the villagers weren't afraid. They were starving and started attacking him, eventually brutally killing him. They tore at his flesh, ripped his body to pieces, and then ate him. Hell rained down and... That was the last thing Yui heard before she began screaming loudly, so she was unable to hear any more of the terrible story. About an hour later, Kimura-sensei snapped back to reality. To his horror, he realized that the bus had crashed and flipped into a ditch. The medical staff had pulled him and most of the students out. But sadly, the bus driver lay lifeless against the steering wheel. It was truly a chilling scene. Yui stood out from the chaos even when everything else was in turmoil. She was unharmed and aware of everything around her. While many students suffered broken bones, concussions, and foaming from their mouths, she was terrified, upset, and panicked. Nonetheless, she maintained her composure and courageously shared her account with the police. Yui revealed that she had managed to block out parts of the incident by screaming. Kimura-sensei went over to try to comfort her, but pushed him away with a stern look on her face. You're not my teacher, she whispered. She was aware that her sensei seemed back to normal and the other students were not phased or perhaps even noticed the black and human eyes of the gozu that possessed her teacher that day, an image she would never forget. But she couldn't share the feeling that at any moment, he, the gozu, may return and raise havoc yet again. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.